You are listening to Empower Me with Ari. Welcome to Empower Me with Ari. I am Ari Holmes and I am super excited about our session today. We have such an amazing topic. We're going to be talking about from pieces to piece and we have my goodness, a special guest in the building. I am super excited for you guys to hear more from this powerful man. And you too, I know that he's going to change your life just from the uh, conversation that we're going to have today. So regardless of broken dreams, relationships, past lives can be made whole again. We have to understand this, you guys. We can't give up when we are in pieces because God can yet give us the peace that we need to be back into one piece. We have to keep in mind Isaiah 26 and 3. It talks about those, uh, we're kept in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on God. So I want to introduce you guys to Dr. Larry Johnson Jr. You guys, you're going to be so excited about this. Um, Dr. Johnson, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And um, I'm just, I'm just excited to connect with you again. Can you go ahead, introduce yourself more in depth What's your story and where are you from? Awesome. Thank you, Ari. I appreciate it. Um, certainly, this is a blessing to be able to share. And I believe that God um, brings people in your lives for uh, specific times and then appointed times to be able to convey uh, experiences and what you've gone through to help somebody. So I'm certainly humbled to be here. I am I'm from Bilgley, Florida, uh, which is in Palm Beach County. So I am a long way from home. Um, so, but it's, it's a great, been a great experience. Um, I have been in higher education now for about 14 years. I began as a faculty member, actually, wow. in English and English composition and rhetoric and also Western civilization. Um, so 14 years of my career in higher education, specifically at the community college because of our open access mission and how we can really take students, you know, who are struggling, who may be first generation persons who may be from marginalized groups and really showing them the power that they have within them and helping them to actualize their dreams. Uh, so that, that has been my work. Um, and now at Phoenix College, that certainly is the work that I do, but just driven and motivated by the potential that I see in people and how I can really bring that out of them. And that's just kind of the core of who I am as an individual. Right. That is absolutely amazing. We're going to definitely hear more about that a little bit later. So you are a living testimony. You really are of how you've experienced hopelessness, but then it was turned into hope. Ah. Can you tell us what was one of the most challenging situations that you've dealt with in life and how you overcame it? You know, I would say losing my mother. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 12, I lost my mother to a tragic car accident. Wow. And I was the oldest. Um, I have two other siblings. And that was difficult for me because my mom, that's, who, that's all I knew. My mm -hmm. mom recently divorced my dad maybe a couple of years uh, prior uh, to her passing. But, you know, you only know your mom. And, and, and in most instances in single family households, you find that it's mostly the moms who are rearing the children. Right. So when she left this earth, you know, and when I saw her body uh, mm. submerged into the ground, I, I feel like a piece of me went with her. And, wow. and I was left with really feelings of like abandonment. And mm. I, I didn't know, you know, who, who can I now go to when I, you know, made A's or B's in the honor roll and who would be that champion for me? But I had to realize that um, God said he won't put more on you than you can wow. bear. Wow. I also believe that he said in his word, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And being 
in church, understanding church, even at 12 years old, my faith um, was something that really helped me to weather that storm. Being around mentors and being around people uh, who supported me, uh, they were my safe haven. Those mother, those, I would say, surrogate mothers and fathers who really took up the mantle after my mother passed mm. to encourage my heart and my siblings and I. I think that really helped me. But most importantly, getting counseling. There were several wow. things that I had to, trauma I had to go through even after her passing. But that was like the pivotal moment. And one of the things I believe that we as African-Americans and as men of color, we struggle with the, the whole notion of getting counseling and talking to someone. Right. I found that by not talking to someone initially, it began this spiral of really some things that could have been adjusted dealt with in terms mm. of behaviors and, and things that I did and the way I acted out had I just spoken to someone. So I would say, you know, having those people in my corner, having the church, the church was so critical to my development. That really helped me to weather the storm of my mother's passing. Okay. And I think that was like the impetus for having the church there and then the counseling came later in life. Okay. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because a lot of people, they do think that there's something wrong. You know, uh, we can't go to a therapist. You do that. You have a mental issue. When it's like, we have to be willing to yes. go outside of the norm, go outside of where, what we're used to in order to get the help that we need. Yes. You know, I fought that way for a long time. Um, you know, when I was younger, I dealt with sexual abuse and I didn't tell anyone for over 20, 20 years. So it was like, I, uh, my voice was silent for that long. And then God said, it's time for you to get help. Yes. I myself had to go to counseling and it was the best decision that I have ever made in my life. So I'm so glad that you share that because more people need to know that it's okay to get help. It doesn't mean that we're weak when we reach out for help. It actually means that we're wise because we understand that there's something wrong and that something needs to change. So thank you so much, Dr. Johnson, for sharing that. That is so powerful. And so, um, so would you say that and I know you mentioned about having faith and support. Would you say that those are the foundational things that kept you going, uh, kept you going and kept you moving through those um, uncertainties in the church? Is that what you're saying? Would you add anything else to that? As you know, to what else kept you going? You know, I would also say that having a brother and a sister who I knew were depending on. Mm, you know, sometimes wow. having that, that family member who's looking up to you yeah. um, that, that gives you that drive that you can't give up. Because if I gave up, if I gave up at 12 years old and just went to substance abuse and I went to the streets and I always thought about if I did that, what would have happened to two, you know, a young man and a young woman who were looking up to me because that's, that's all they knew. When my mom was working and she was as a single parent, I had to rear them. I had to do my sister's hair. I had to take wow. care of my brother. So that to me was also... You know the catalyst is saying okay yes your mom is no longer there mm -hmm. you know but you have a brother and a sister who are depending on you and while they may not be depending on me in terms of providing for them a house and mm -hmm. you know all of those other resources that was an emotional aspect yeah sometimes supersedes sometimes the, the mm -hmm. other, you know um, needs that we have in our lives and, and that part always was in my spirit of what can i do to make sure that they are successful and that was the drive as well. 
Okay, that's powerful. That is really, really powerful. I know already that this is helping and going to help so many other people as they listen to this because some people are going through certain situations or have gone through situations like this and they don't know what to do. And that kind of drives me to the next um, question. What advice would you give someone who is currently experiencing um, hopelessness and they don't know how to make it to the next day? What would you say to them? Well, I think first that people need to realize that we have all been apportioned God's grace and his mercy, but also gifts. Each one of us, depending on, you know, what our areas of expertise are, we have a gift. Mm. I think that people have to realize that while you're in the wilderness, and sometimes mm. I like to call it the wilderness, that's when God does his best work. Wow. And I think that knowing that first that you are somebody and that you were designed and predestined to be successful, that's first. And then really sitting down and identifying what are your strengths? What are those things that you value? What are those things that you're good at? Mm-hmm. And then finding people who are doing those things that you desire to do, whether it's in a profession, whether it's a sport, whether it's, you know, an activity. And I think therein is where persons can then begin to apply, you know, the actual steps to moving toward that goal, whether it's a job, whether it's becoming an entrepreneur, but first, it has, to, it has to start with you. The Bible also talks about when the word comes, although a pastor or a minister preaches it, it has to come to him or her first. Yeah. I think we have to first declare that we are someone, we are important, that we're not going to allow our life's pressures to distract us. And I think once we speak life into ourselves, <laughs> that then begins to be the process of healing. That yes. begins to be the process of really looking beyond the past and then beginning to see Uh, the opportunities that lie ahead in the future. Yes. Oh my goodness. This is so good. This is so good. You know, because some people may feel that sense of hopelessness and they're like, I'm done. I'm going to give up. But you're saying the total opposite. Don't give up. Don't stop. Mm -hmm. Don't quit. Just because you're in a wilderness, that does not mean you have to sit down and die, but use what's on the inside of you to encourage somebody else. What are your strengths? Your strengths don't disappear when you're hopeless. You still, you know, purpose is still on the inside of you. And literally somebody you can encourage somebody in your state of hopelessness, really, and and drive, you know, to the, have the momentum to keep moving forward. And it's so powerful because when you look throughout the Bible, you see that he chose people that were less than anybody thought. You know, they, the people the, the least likely to succeed, you know, the people that were going through something, they like, how are you choosing me? Right, In right. those moments, you were like, no, stand up, get up, because I have a greater purpose for you. Use what you have right now when things are not going well. Absolutely. Use it now. So that is, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So um, I want to transition to examples. Growing up, who was your greatest example and why? And how did this example help you to become the powerful man and great example that you are today? You know, there were several persons that I would cite as being examples. Um, first being, you know, my band director. Mm, um, people, wow. you know, I was in a band from middle school all the way through college. And really, that was kind of one of my first mentors, you know, going to school, having teachers who cared about me, teachers who imparted not only knowledge about, you know, the, uh, an instrument, but life's uh, just helping me understand life and helping me get through some of those those difficult times of just not understanding why things happen. Mm. I would say my pastor was also a great source of mentorship while 
She provided the spiritual um, teachings. Uh, she was also great for me to talk to about things that I was struggling with, things that I, I didn't quite understand about life. I didn't understand about death. I, I would say it was just a combination of people such as my pastor, uh, my teachers in school. Um, I would also say that family members, there were family members as well, like my mom's sister and my um, and her husband, who were really good examples that helped to keep me focused on what my what my goals um, were, but not only what my goals were, but to help me to see that there is potential yes. and in spite of the situation I may have experienced, that I could certainly get past that, grow past it, and be a, a great a gentleman, great young man that can make an impact in this nation. So several people, you know, when I, I, I can go on and give names by names, but I would say it was a combination okay. just teachers and persons in the church and just really people who step in mm-hmm. um, to fill those voids. So not one person in particular, but it was just a more of a collective group, I think, that was really instrumental in supporting me. That's, that's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, your positive spirit and confidence in self is contagious. I would say that. And so what do you currently uh, do to give back to others to continue being um, the example that's so needed today? Like, what do you currently do? That is a great question. So, and I know we're, I think we're going to talk about this at some point about abuse. Mm-hmm. But I mentor uh, young, um, young men of color and all of them, all of those young men have something in common, and that is that they have gone through trauma, mm. emotional abuse. It could be physical abuse. So what I have done is that I've taken and I've really taken an introspective look at the experiences I've had, and those seven young men that have come into my life, I've been able to pour into them and talk to them about my experiences, wow. help to guide them so that they don't make some decisions that might cause the, their their dreams to be delayed or aborted. Mm. So I mentor young people. Um, I make sure that, you know, even now in my role as a president, I have mentees who are other professionals who are uh, trying to move into and are attempting to and working diligently to move into this role. So I give back in professionally. But I think what gives me great joy is mentoring those young men who I share commonalities, a common bond with, and seeing them grow from a place of, you know, having doubt and uncertainty to a place of clarity and a place of strength and a place of being comfortable with the men that they have become. Yes. Wow, that's phenomenal. Thank you for doing that. We definitely need more people with a heart like that who is willing to be transparent and willing to give to others. And I would say um, this next question, uh, it's, it's what is one thing that you would say that you learn not to do? You don't hear this a lot. You know, while being an example, while being a mentor, um, sometimes we, we learn that some things that we do is not the best thing or not the best uh, way to be an example. So um, while being a, that example, how did you get better at not doing certain things that you know that just wasn't working, wasn't profitable? You know, I think sometimes as mentors, we want to um, just swoop in and fix the problem. That's wild. That is so true. And that's something I've learned. So my mentees may have come to me and say they needed this or they needed that. And as a mentor and that, and that, that father-like figure, I would say, mm-hmm. okay, if it's resources, yes, I'll do it. You know, send me your account information. If it's a paper, okay, send me your paper and I'll do all the editorials, for example. 
But that's something that I've learned that you have to be able to provide the tools mm-hmm. for persons and then guide them along the way and not to do it for them because then there's an expectation that every time that there's a need that you will be able to swoop in. Mm. So then they have then, they don't understand the process of how to go through a difficult time. They don't oh understand the process of how to really develop a goal and put in implementation steps to accomplishing that goal. So that's something I've learned. I can't just fix your problem. Yes, come on. So I need to give you the tools that show you how to make the monies that oh you want to complete whatever the debt is that you have. Right. That's, that's something I have learned over the years after not getting resources back, you know, <laughs> from countless people. I've learned not to just be so quick to say yes, but to be quick to say, okay, well, here's an alternative. Have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about this way? You know, yeah. what approach? I can connect you to this resource that can help you to get to where you where you desire to go. Right. So that's something I, I uh, have learned not to do in terms of how to support people, you know, who have presented a need or who I am mentoring so that they can learn valuable lessons so that I can now say to them, okay, I understand, but here is a, a better way to handle this situation. And then they too can become great mentors and say, okay, you, it's just a cycle. I don't want to create people who are needy and people mm. like they, they don't know how to really, uh, do things on their own right. but I think it's in creating those okay. processes for them and that's something I, I, I continue to learn because in our hearts we want to do <laughs> right we right. want to jump in and swoop in and help them but I think it's giving them the resources is really sometimes the most help that we we can give that's valuable to them right wow when you were speaking it just reminded me of how our father god is seriously you know and how he doesn't want to take he wants to help us you know he will give us as much help as he can but there comes a point where we have to go through the process because if we don't go through the process we won't be prepared for what it is that he has for us our characters won't be developed the way that they're supposed to and we'll always be saying i need i need i need instead of trying to dig on the inside and say what do I have that's on the inside of me? What can I do, you know, to accomplish whatever it is that I'm going after? That that was amazing. I'm not just saying this. This is helping me too. <laughs> it's helping me while you're talking. And so you um you answered this next one about the mentorship uh, program. So amazing that you're doing this. And I'm, you know, I'm doing that and hoping to expand that with ladies as well. Our stories are so similar. And it's just it just blows my mind how we don't handpick certain people to be around in life. I didn't handpick to be around you. It just happened. Yeah. God has divine connections, like you said at the beginning. There's certain people that God will put around each other for a certain uh, time, for a certain season. And it's just, it is, it's literally mind-blowing how yeah. God works. It really is. So the mentorship program that you have with the boys, um, have you ever thought about implementing that within the college or is, is it even possible to implement that within the college or is it something you just want to keep separate? You know, the college actually has a mentorship program. Oh, okay. So the entire Maricopa Community College District has a mentorship program that's entitled MEN. It's the Male Empowerment Network. Oh. And what what is important, I believe, is finding ways to, you know, get the message out to our young men because it's our young men who really, really need that, that level of mentorship. You know, when you look at all of the data, 
the data suggests that you know our, our women doing well, they're self-motivated, but our young men need a little bit more support. Right. So we have a program that is a mentoring program for our young men. Mm -hmm. It's just really, you know, finding ways that I can get them engaged and see the value That's of being around other brothers and not just in, you know, ethnicity, but brothers in general, right. just having those courageous conversations about, you know, these are issues I struggle with, you know, mm -hmm. mental health, anxiety, mm. you know, dealing with relationships, yeah. having those top those conversations to make these brothers holistically develop. Yeah. So I certainly agree that a lot of what I have done in mentoring my, my young you know, young sons, as I call them, yeah. is the same approach that I would take uh, with the young men that we have at our college. And that's work that is ongoing at Phoenix College. Okay, amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. So, um, <clears throat> As, as you know, I previously, previously stated, you've been through a lot, but you've also accomplished a whole lot. And within your accomplishments, you have a book out mm -hmm. called Memoirs of a Young Black Scholar. Yeah. And it's such a powerful read. When I found out that you had a book, I was like, of course I have to support. Let me grab that. I, when I found out, I think I got it the same day. Like, let me grab this. I got it on Kindle. I believe it was Kindle. But it, it is it's such an encouraging read, such a powerful read. It is... Uh, an emotional read as well. Um, can you just share briefly what it is about? You know, that book was really not intending to be a book. Uh, it was a process of healing for me. Mm. Uh, when I finally decided to deal with uh, the molestation of my uncle, mm. I went to counseling and my therapist began to tell me, write things down, write letters uh, to him, you know, and express, you know, how what he did to you made you feel and how it has impacted you. And as I began to really sit down and write, you know, I had already put some things on paper, but I stopped. And because it, it was so emotional as I wrote, yeah. starting with the death of my mom, you know, that was really how I opened the book, talking about her death and all everything that I experienced. But it was meant to be, and that's why each title, each chapter is entitled Sessions, because mm. each session, you know, I would talk about something different in hopes that in the end, um, there was some type of way that I could show that I had reconciled all of those emotions and those feelings. So the book really talks about my journey to wholeness. Okay. Not that wholeness has taken place, but wholeness in terms of me getting to a place where I have acknowledged the issues that happened, but I'm also now finding ways of how I cope and the importance of really having good relationships. So I talk about okay. the impact of you know, relationships that I had or did not have as a result of a lot of the trauma, not only the molestation, but being abandoned, feeling, you know, when my mom died, not really having someone I can go to, it felt like I was on this island. So I talk about that and I talk about how music became really that, that comfort and how that helped me to really um, bury a lot of my, my concerns and a lot of my disappointments and being in the marching band and being around music. And that really, you know, was really the, the genesis of the book, trying to, kind of trying to get through and understand everything that I had been through. And because I had, I didn't go to counseling. You know, my mom, when she died, I was quickly swooped up by my dad, taken back to uh, my original um, place, which was Florida, because we mm. lived in Georgia at the time. And no, no one talked with counseling. No one said, do you need counseling? No, no one said, we need to get him in counseling. Yeah. And being the eldest of the three, you know, my brother and sister, they didn't quite know what was happening. They just knew mom wasn't there anymore. But because I was always at a, already at a place of understanding so much, 
and have formed all of these impressions about life and who I am, you know, I, I was just in this state of like, okay, what, what am I doing? You know, what, what's happening to me? How do I still work through having relationships with people? How do I know I'm loved by family? It, it was just a, so many different emotions that I experienced. And the book really talks about, you know, that. And that's why I entitled my memoirs. These are my personal, you know, very intimate inner struggles that I deal with, even from being taunted you know, by people and called all type of names and not having the clothing that, you know, my classmates would have. All of that was stress. All of that was yeah. trauma. And I still maintain honor roll. I still maintain, you know, going to church and being a musician in church while I was hurt and while I was broken and while I was fragmented. You know, I, I, I still, I know that it was only God because that's the only thing that kept me. I didn't go to substance abuse. I didn't do any of those things, games and all of those distractions I could have gotten into, but it really just chronicles that that journey for me and how it I got to my adult life. And I think the book kind of stops it where I was 33, I believe. And it just kind of shows you how I've gone from being that young man who was broken to after counseling and going through just really trying to understand it all to being at a place of wholeness in a place of where I'm still healing. Yeah, that's really good. It sounds like the Joseph experience, like mm -hmm. you can go from the pit to the palace and, yes, you yes. know, and not give up through all the detrimental things, all the things that we don't want to happen when they're actually happening in our lives. But finding the inner strength, which comes from God, is so yes. important to have a power that's higher than yourself that you can look up to and have that hope. That's absolutely amazing. And speaking about power, the power of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. It is so necessary. It's so necessary. And I learned that I didn't want to forgive. I'm not going to lie. Initially, um, I didn't want to forgive. I thought about it and what happened to me, all the anger and bitterness, resentment that I carried for years. And I'm like, this person has made me this way or that way. But I had to understand, like you said uh, earlier, it starts with me. I have to choose forgiveness is for me first. Yeah. I have to choose to forgive. And then that way I can be free to move forward. So you had, like, like I said, you've dealt with so much and had to face so much um, with the situation with your youth. How did you learn to forgive? Wow. I think my... My understanding of the word, yeah. you know, and, and, and understanding my faith and that I could not harbor mm. these, these feelings and these emotions about people because I, I really take the word seriously. And I do mm. believe, that, you know, the text, the Bible and its inception, it's, it's God in principle. So I felt that I had to release myself from it because I care, I was carrying around, you know, hurt and pain and not understanding you know, why things happen and, and, and how they happen and, and was I at fault. And I really had to just wake up and realize that, you know, God has, you know, made me uniquely and qualified me to do what he has uh, planted in me to do and the work that I do. So I realized that now it was all for, for the making of this narrative and it was the making of preparing me to be a leader of right. an institution. So I realized that I can't lead if I don't forgive. And I realized that much of what I experienced, even in my professional life, if I had not dealt with how to forgive in my natural, in my non-work experience, then there will be, I could not perform and I could not function in this role. And, and oftentimes people believe that there is a divide between how we respond to pressure and our personal lives and then 
then when you think about your professional life and there there is no there is no disconnect mm. how do you respond to pressure and how you deal with trauma and how you deal with anxiety in your personal mm -hmm. life when do you then look at your work experiences and the decisions that you have to make right. while we try and divorce the two you cannot wow we ourselves making decisions mm -hmm. you know about people and forming impressions about people the way we would in our personal lives and we realize we haven't forgiven a person but you come to work and that very boss that you're working with resembles the person you haven't forgiven oh my goodness you find yourself not being able to work with him or her and you find that you can't respect them because they resemble a behavior Ooh. resemble an attitude that you've experienced from a former person so i have to put those things into perspective oh and it's a pro it's still a process it is a process a daily process that you have to really put yourself into in check say okay okay am i am i responding this way or maybe i need to think or maybe i need to go to that person and just talk about some of the, the concerns i have with them and that's what i had to do with my uncle while i couldn't do it physically i did it through writing the letter and i and i talked to him candidly about what he did, how it made me feel, how it has impacted me. And when I wrote the last letter to him, I released it and I forgave him. Wow, goodness, that is powerful. That is wisdom that we all need to understand because it does bleed into other things that we're doing. You know, not just our uh, relationships we have on the outside, dating relationships, but also, you know, at work. Yeah. You know, we can be um, having different uh you know reactions or treating people a certain way not even based off what they're doing but based off the inner me the inner issues that we yet need to deal with that unforgiveness that we're um keeping on the inside and we refuse to let go and it's just bleeding and messing up everything messing yeah. up work messing up your dating relationships and stuff like that and so i do want to ask you this question i know we kind of mm -hmm. <clears throat> talked about a little bit earlier about the mentorship programs but have you ever thought about doing a uh kind of like a round table that's open for men and for women uh to encourage everybody with their healing process uh possibly an event have you ever thought about doing that you know i've thought about focusing on mental health and bringing okay. awareness to mental health in some type of way if it's mm -hmm. a, um, a speaker series if it's you know more of just a, a round table conversation mm -hmm something that I'm interested in because okay. I understand that healing mental health as we're seeing so much is happening today in the world and and people are doing committing so many different acts right. and, and they go then it's stated that they're unstable in their mental health well mm -hmm. yeah we so how do we deal with it you know right we, right we, we're saying that these are the results of people who are unstable for whatever reason mm -hmm. so have those conversations so I've thought about what that could look like at the institution mm -hmm. uh, but even personally you know to just have that conversation with a, a core group just to talk about it I've done that before with um, you know in a different setting where I've just had the candid conversation and I saw brothers break down you know because they had not shared information that right. happened in their lives and I, I think there's a need to do more of that with various organizations so mm -hmm. it's something I would be open to okay perfect and um talking about that um talking about mental health and and how also um keeping unforgiveness in your heart prevents you from, uh, literally from like living the complete life that god wants you to have mm -hmm. um you kind of mentioned about relationships how it was attempting to affect your relationships yeah. what if you don't mind like how did it affect your relationships did it affect your uh dating relationships did it you know, affect the relationships you had with your immediate family, 
you know, all the, the situations and stuff that you um, had gone through, was it easy to love others after you, know, you dealt with that? that? That is a great question. I would say both um, platonic and romantic relationships okay. were certainly impacted because there was a void. The void was the abandonment piece. Mm. So I, when I would get into a relationship, I would immediately cling on so hard because I don't, I, I didn't want to let go, wow. you know, and that causes so many issues. We call it needy, you know, in some mm -hmm. it was from a perspective of, I don't want to let you go. And, and, and are you <sighs> to leave me like my mother left me mm. you know, those type of emotions. And it, it just, I would say it really caused me to, even with my brother and sister, do they love me? You know, wow. are they looking at me at a, a certain way? And it's, it's the family looking at me at a certain way because I didn't have mom there anymore. I didn't have dad to say, I love you, son. Mm. Have, you know, that type of um, exchange with family where I, I hugged them and we embraced each other. It took years for me until I actually started initiating hugs with my brother and sister. Mm. I was taught. Okay. So I've seen that modeled in the household so i didn't know what it meant to to give that that level of love and affection through physical touch okay so i would say a lot of what i experienced from you know my mom passing away and my uncle it just had me in a place of abandonment and just really not knowing am i truly being loved or is this person trying to you know come into my circle and take something from me take advantage of me mm -hmm. That that has that did have some impacts on you know the relationships that I, I, I did have. You know, I, I dated in high school and I had you know my girlfriend in high school and then you know for a little while in, in college. But I think that understanding, trying to understand how to put into context everything that I had experienced, how can I really give love if I didn't know how to love? So those were some of the struggles I had. And trying to maintain a relationship, you know, again, loving, you know, a partner or loving my brother and sister, I had not received that. So I didn't mm -hmm. know how to model that. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah, that's so true. Um, I know personally, I, I used to uh, point the fingers at the other party. Like, you're not giving me enough attention. Like, you know, you're not responding quick enough. It's you, 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 you. And then it would be breakup after breakup after breakup. And I said, wait, there's a common denominator or there's, you know, a common element within this, within it. And it's me. You know, when you constantly hear the same thing from different people, you know, it's time to pay attention. Right. And I had to be um, real with my, myself to say, at this point, I'm not ready. You know, during that time, I'm not ready to be in a relationship with anybody because I don't know how to be in a relationship right. with anybody because of the hurt, because of the trauma, and um, because of not really knowing how to love myself first. Yes. And once I said, okay, God said, it's, it's time for you to go through your healing process mm -hmm. so that you can be whole and you're not spewing off and bleeding on other people, yes. you know, and you can produce something whole to somebody else, you know? Absolutely. And so I think that... Um, the conversations around dating and trauma, we need to have more conversations like that because too many people go into relationships and situations not healed, not whole, with false expectations. Yes. And at times we 
um, you know, unintentionally, we mess up good people and we don't, we don't intentionally do it, but you know, and we're putting scars and stuff on other people. And it's, um, and it's all because we haven't taken the time to heal. We didn't know how to get healed. We don't know how to love. We didn't experience love, but understanding like God is the one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That can just satisfy us and fill every void. I literally had to come to that conclusion or come to that revelation that he's the only one that could fill that void. Really? Mm-hmm. He is literally the only one that could fill that love void. Yeah. And, and you know, and then we're not seeking after something that, um, it's seeking a person to fill a place that only God can fill. Yeah. So that's just so powerful. Thank you for sharing that and being transparent. So how can the people get the book? Oh, wow. So, uh, the book is available on you know any I would say major online um, website. It's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, so in, anywhere where you know books are sold. Okay. Definitely available. I made it available to all major distribution outlets. Okay, perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being transparent with this subject because it's uh you know it's a personal subject, but you know and you've come to the realization that. Uh, what you've been through is literally bigger than you. It's about helping somebody else. So your story is literally to help somebody else. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so we want to transition into the process of where you are today. I know you mm-hmm. kind of mentioned it earlier, but did you always desire to be the president of a college? I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. It's a huge accomplishment. And I want to put this out here publicly. You are doing an amazing yeah. job. You really are in Things are changing. I've seen things change, you know, and um, I know that you're, whatever you're doing, don't stop doing it. Whatever you do behind closed doors, praying or whatever it is, don't stop doing it because we need, we need it. We need it and I can see your heart. So did you ever desire to be a president of a college? You know, I've always desired to be in a role where I can influence change for the least of these. Okay. And to be a college president allows me to do that because Mm -hmm. now I'm seated at the table where decisions are being made that will impact first-generation students, that will impact black and brown students, marginalized groups. So that was my desire. I believe I awakened Mm -hmm. teaching about three years and I saw administration as a way to do that. And ultimately I said, you know, I can really impact change for people. I can hire them. I can change their whole socioeconomic status by getting the people to work with the students who are passionate about changing lives. So initially I wanted to be a faculty member and teach English because I did not see men of color represented. And that is what was my initial driving force. But as I began to really think about it and I began to look in society, I began to see other people in the role. I began to see a disconnect of the presidents to the students, how they're engaging with students, how they engage with the community, at least from what I saw. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be a president where I model what it meant to engage with students, to change their lives, to be a role model, but to engage with the community, to show the value of the community college. So that has a, this role has afforded me that opportunity to really, you know, say really without um, being unapologetic about who we are as a college right. that we serve. So I've always wanted to be in a role where I can really make a difference. And this role has allowed me to do that. Okay, perfect. Dreams definitely come true. You're a living testament of that. And if you don't mind sharing what has been a challenge being at this level, because I understand like the higher you go, the more resistance you can get at times because you want to do a greater good, you know? 
You're right. You're right. I would say that, you know, being in this role does not mean that it, it will come with friends and everyone's mm. throw rose petals at your feet. It's the total opposite. Um, I think the greatest challenge is being a being a thought leader and being a change maker and being progressive minded. And you may enter an organization where that has not been the case for a long time. And you may enter that organization to try and begin to shift the culture. And, and sometimes you may with resistance because people may not understand the vision um, that you have and trying to articulate that vision and get the buy-in from all of the stakeholders so that they can begin to move in a direction with you. I would say, you know, it's a challenge when you are in roles such as presidents and, and VPs of organizations and departments. But I think once you know what your purpose is and why you're there, that should be the North Star, regardless of the distractions and regardless of the noise. The North Star should be, how are you going to help move this organization forward to improve the lives of the least of these? Okay, perfect. That, thank you for sharing that. So um, since you are in this position, I kind of want to ask this. So who has supported you or do you have a mentor on this level? Um, and I know you talked about um, through high school how you had the support of the band leader and the pastors and stuff. Who helped you through the collegiate journey and through this journey of being a president? Like, who who do you look up to or who um, who really pours back into you? Yeah, I am a part of uh, what's called a president's roundtable, and that's a group of African-American presidents. So I have access to presidents who are... Um, five years in their role, 10 years, 20 years in their role. So I rely on them heavily wow. when I'm experiencing uh, different challenges yes. or when I need to just ask for support or if I just want to bounce an idea off of them. So that is a network that was created um, for uh, presidents of color to just really engage and have that dialogue. So my circle now would include, you know, presidents who are not only here, in Arizona, but they are, you know, nationwide. And it's, and it's great because it gives me different perspectives from different systems. Right. I can, you know, use that insight on how I can support my college and then also support um, the district at large. So uh, that that's my network. I mean, I also have friends who are not presidents because I, I don't want to have everyone in my circle who like me. Okay. Know, I have friends who are directors. I have friends you know, who are deans. And I also listen to them because I think having varying perspectives mm -hmm. about this role and the work that we do and hearing from those multiple levels helps me to also understand how to navigate and how to implement even in this role as well. Okay, perfect. That's, that's amazing. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, what would one message um, that you have for, like, what's one message that you have your, for your students being a college president, what's one, what's something that you want them to understand or to know? I want them to, to know that there is nothing that is unattainable. Mm. Uh, what is the barrier, uh, if they make it a barrier, it's not trying. Um, not wow. into paper. Mm -hmm. I think once you write their goals down and then write down all of the action items that it will take in order for them to get there, because I am a firm believer in the prophet Habakkuk uh, two and three, where the prophet says, write the vision and make it plain. And yes. I live by <laughs> that particular phrase and that particular verse since God spoke it to me when I was 16 years old. And mm. since then, I have been writing down everything that I've desired that God do for me. And I have seen him bring it to pass. 
So that's my encouragement to, you know, my students and my mentees, write the vision, make it plain what it is that you want to do. And don't look at the resources that you don't have or the connections that you don't have as an impediment to your future goals. So use all of those as opportunities. Use all of those as just you know, stumbling blocks that may help you to stumble into ultimately mm. your but don't allow them to take you out. Don't allow them to be success. So that's what I would say uh, to my students. That's amazing. And I just want to throw this in here. Um, what I've, what I have heard that's been uh, so common from everybody that I've talked to was that God spoke to them at a younger age about what they're doing today. Yes. It's so important to not ignore that voice. Don't ignore that the tug, the pull of the passion or the dream life. You said you learned to write the vision, make it plain, and you followed after that and you followed after the word. And it works. The manifestation of it, there's proof right here. You are the proof that the word works. And so I just feel led to just let people know and students know, do not give up on your dream. Like Dr. Johnson is saying, don't give up on your dream because it's going to happen. Don't ignore that voice. Don't ignore what God is telling you to do, regardless of what you have to go through, regardless of what you are feeling, understand that with God, you can do all things. You can do all things with Christ who strengthens you and you can make it and accomplish that um, manifested promise. So thank you for sharing that. Um, what is, what do you want to be remembered by? You know, when people look back and say, you know, Dr. Larry Johnson Jr. was the president um, or is the president, like, what do you want to be remembered by? So I want people to say that he cared. Mm. That he cared about us, that he was engaged with his students, engaged with his campus community, and that he was engaged with his external community, that he was involved, and that he really cared about all students, all groups that were represented at the institution and that he advocated uh, to the best of his ability to improve outcomes for students and to improve outcomes for faculty and staff. Yes, you know what, that's that's absolutely amazing. Um, and you say you wanna be remembered by that you are currently doing that. <laughs> you, know, you know, you have a heart, like you can see your heart, I can see your heart, you know, and I can see that you care for students. I mean, you've helped me and um, you know, help me not give up and to keep moving forward and to accomplish a goal when I was just drained. And so just the words, sometimes all we need is just to hear somebody else say, you can do it. Don't give up, you know, and, um, and just to know that somebody cares. You're like, I'm struggling, I'm going through this. Just hear that one person say, don't give up. You can do this. That's all we need. And then boop, there's a finish line. So thank you for being who you are. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for giving God a yes yeah. and carrying out the call. Thank you for doing it the way that God told you to do it. You don't have to look like or be like anybody else. And you are so authentic. You're genuine. If, you know, when people meet you, they're going to see like, okay, he, <laughs> he's confident within himself because you are. And that's the beautiful thing about when you know who you are, you know who God is in you, you know your identity, you know, then you can really carry yourself like a, a, a man of valor you know, yeah. a, a, a royalty, a king, and that's what you do. So I so appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Um, and if people wanted to get in contact with you, I understand you are a very busy man. You're also a president of the college along with everything else that you do. Uh, you're on social media. How can people reach out to you if they have questions, if they want you to speak? I don't know 
if you're open to um, a lot of different speaking engagements. I know you do some, but how can people connect with Dr. Johnson? Great. Well, they can certainly follow me on Instagram, okay. Facebook, or um, Snapchat, or Twitter. And it's simply PHX, um, college spelled out in Prez, P-R-E-Z. And you can find me on any of those um, social media mediums um, through um, that. Uh, they can also send me an email as well to larry.johnson at phoenixcollege.edu uh, if they would like me to you know attend an event speak at an event i am certainly open i said when i arrived to arizona that and phoenix proper that i really want to make a difference and i want to make sure that everyone has access to an education and however i can uh, articulate that or whoever i can articulate that message to i am certainly open to that Yes, thank you so much. You all make sure that you go ahead and support his book. Make sure that you go ahead and go on Amazon wherever books are sold. Memoirs of a Young Black Scholar. Also, make sure you go ahead on Amazon and grab my book, my latest book, Singles Less to Liberate. It is a workbook on relationships, how to prepare yourself, start with self first, deal with the hill and be whole so that you can present the best you, best version of you to somebody else. And then my other book, The Loud Secret, and it talks about my journey from the trauma that I dealt with and then the healing process that I went through just to encourage, to let you know, you can make it through, you know, you can make it through anything. You may have experienced trauma, but that's not the end of your story. You know, you can have a, a, a good life, a life full of joy. So thank you guys for joining us. I'm going to end uh, like I love to end all the time with a spoken word piece, and then we're going to get out of here. All right, you guys? So broken into pieces like shattered glass, confusion attempting to reign in my head. So innocent and helpless, all I ask is rest from this. I call on your name, Father, but the trial seemed to challenge the call. I know you are everywhere at the same time, but the pain I've endured wants to reign, overrule my mind. You said you'll never leave me nor forsake me, but what I faced seemed like I'm alone. As the thorns keep trying to keep me stagnant in my pain, I heard a whisper. I heard you call out my name. You said, I've been here with you the whole time. This is how you're still standing through the storms and hard times. My plans for you are good. You will recover from this. I've come to take the broken pieces to make you whole again. What you suffer caused you to come closer to me. Now that you're listening, the pain from your story will cause you to make history. What the enemy meant for bad, I'm using it for your good. This is your time of a new beginning. I am your peace. I've made you whole again. All right, you guys, we're out of here. Thank you so much for connecting with us. Until next time, remember to renew your mind. It is the goat mind. Love you guys.